0: All right, Howlers, let's get howling, But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content.
1: Don't be a pixie.
0: Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga.
1: Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit howlerpod.com and rate and review five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will take our uh, razor-sharp fingernails and stick them into your eyeball down to the knuckle.
0: And now, howlerpod
1: Oh. Laughter corrupts the darkness around us. The giant smiles as the darkness answers for him with a long groan made of a single, distended syllable.
0: Hello, Howlers. Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising Saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers.
1: Hello, Howlers.
0: What are we up to today, Aaron?
1: Part three, Dark Age, chapters 42 to 46.
0: I believe part three is called Treason.
1: Sure is. So let's load up this starshell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries.
0: Hopefully, we don't shit our suits or meet Fa.
1: I think both will happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Part 3 Treason, Chapter 42 Lysander, A Chorus Upon the Pale. Lysander is still in the desert. He's heading north towards Erebos. He's dehydrated and out of water. He's slowly making it to a nicer climate with plants and animals, and he finds an abandoned farm. He rigs the power on, cooks himself a meal, takes a bath, and sleeps for an entire day. After a few days, he moves on from the farm. He comes upon a group of traveling Reds who tell him Erebos is underwater. He sees the drowned city and then comes upon a message from the Fear Knight a forest of men on poles.
1: Butts on poles!
0: He hears one begging for a swift death and delivers it. Then more beg for mercy. Lysander moves down the line, but in front of a red man triggers a mine. He tries to disarm it, but sets it off and is caught in a tack net. After hours of baking in the sun, trapped in the net, he is found by gorgons. They see his fancy razor and decide to take him in.
1: Chapter 43, Lysander, the Enemy. The Gorgons take Lysander via grav bike back into the desert. Tough luck.
0: I definitely laughed at that when he's like, it's fucking desert and again. we're coming back.
1: <laughs> he wakes up with his hands tied to the ceiling of a cave. Other prisoners are talking about being tortured, saying the boss will come for them. Ten others are chained in the cave, including Alexander. Ba-ba-da-ba! He's not dead. <laughs> Yet His his ears and teeth are missing and his face is swollen. Lysander pretends to be Cato a Vitruvius, a pixie from Erebos who fled when the city flooded. He informs the group that Darrow took Heliopolis, which gives the prisoners some hope of rescue.
0: Chapter 44, Ephraim, Hunt of the Last Light. Xenophon leads Ephraim to the hangar to show him his shiny new ship it's a gift from seffy uh there are trackers on the ship and the children are not allowed near it ephraim names the ship snowball in honor of volga Aww. later ephraim ascends a mountain to watch the hunt pax is riding behind seffy on god eater and electra is riding behind freehield uh, ephraim watches from the mount as Sephi's valkyrie heard the drake a huge dragon thing through the mountain valley toward Cephi's hunting band. The drake moves to attack Sefi. She aims her bow, but cannot pull the string back. Something is very wrong. She veers God down. The drake is closing in on Cephi and packs. Frehild jumps from her griffin and onto the dragon's head, stabbing her spear down into its eye. Ephraim demands a rifle from a nearby guard and quickly rushes forward to take aim. Freehild is in the way of a shot, and Valdir is standing over Ephraim. That's uh, pretty tough. (laughs) Uh, Then the drake turns his head, and Ephraim shoots, nearly missing Freehild, and killing the drake. Great shot. Ephraim watches as the tribe's women and men cut the downed drake apart. For the harvest, they chant his and Freehild's name, the protectors of the queen. The obsidian blame Pax for Steffi's faulty bow, and he accepts their blame. They all party into the night, and Ephraim tells Valdir, that Sefi knows about him in Freehild and tells him to stop being so obvious.
1: Yeah, bro. Like, everyone can tell (laughs) you're addressing her with your eyes.
0: We can see your boner from here, Valdir.
1: It's a very huge (laughs) boner. (laughs) Chapter 45, Ephraim, Night Gaze. Ephraim flies away from the party on his new ship with Freyhild and Osgard to the ruins of the Valkyrie Spires for a ritual. Ephraim and Freyhild sit by the fire, and she confesses the truth about her and Valdir. Ephraim points out that Freyhild is spitting in Sephi's eye, so Freyhild decides to end it with him. She leaves to go find the night gaze for the ritual. Osgard tells Ephraim his backstory— and Freyhild is taking forever finding this night gaze. Ephraim goes to the ship to grab a jacket and finds a field of night gaze amongst the ruins. He shows Osgard, but then they find something else: Freyhild killed and hanging from a hook through her mouth.
0: That's <laughs> pretty tough. It's pretty gruesome.
1: <laughs> they are surrounded by creatures rolling around. And Ephraim comes face to face with a giant monster of an obsidian. He puts Freyhil's heart in Ephraim's hand, then pokes Osgard's eye out with his fingernail. The monster tells Ephraim to give the heart to Sephi and that he's come to contest her claim. The monster is fa <laughs> fa That's pretty good.
0: That was a pretty good one. Chapter 46 Ephraim Whirlpool the Askamani and Volsungfa are real. At Freehild's funeral, Valdir collects her bones, then shrieks and cuts off his long hair, tying his lover's bones together with it. A feast is thrown in Freehild's honor. Sefi gives a eulogy, but Valdir stands and cuts the table in half with his axe and shouts, Lies! He doesn't believe the Askamani tale. He makes a scene accusing Sephi of Freehild's death, and drunkenly storms from the room. Later, Ephraim repeats his statement to Sephi, Her guards come in with tears in their eyes. Valdir attacked the griffins and hacked God Eater almost to death. Sephi goes to the griffin and has to kill her to end her suffering. Valdir was captured and says that Cephi was afraid. Freehield would be queen instead of Volga. Sephi takes the stun fist and shoots him again and again, stopping just short of killing him. Pax sees Valdir's discarded flag of Azog, and Ephraim has it tested. It was spiked with fever cloud mushroom. Sephi blames Osgard and banishes him from her service. Later, Ephraim asks why. Valdir said Volga would be queen. Sephi shows Ephraim her rotting arm, saying the poison was a gift from Atalantia. Volga is the last blood of Ragnar and must be queen to keep the all-tribe united, Ephraim says Over my dead fucking body.
1: Yeah, Ephraim's like, you're using me? (laughs) And it's like, no shit, dude. (laughs) Yeah,
0: surprise, surprise.
1: (laughs) So now that we finish our chapter summaries, what is the theme for these chapters?
0: This week's theme is Revelations.
1: We learn some shit.
0: There's a a lot of new shit going on here. A lot of info dumping.
1: Yep. We need to know some things.
0: Valdir's not the only one dumping in these chapters.
1: Uh (laughs) Poop joke. (laughs) That's
0: a poop joke for you. Is that
1: our first poop joke? (laughs) Hope so. Next up, we will go through the chapters and talk about why this theme is Revelation.
0: Revelation number one. Alex is alive.
1: Alexander uh, Arcos. He's also joined by some other of his Arcosian knights who remember all sacrifice themselves to save the people of Tyche from drowning.
0: The Knights of Elysium.
1: And uh, they're not in good shape. They've (laughs) been tortured by the fear knight over and over, and a lot of them are missing some body parts.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough stuff. Uh, So this quote comes from uh, Lysander's chapters, and Alex says, Easy now, my good man. You've been mauled rather gruesomely. Even with both his ears missing and half his face grotesquely swollen, I can tell he is around my own age and that he used to be a handsome man. Staggeringly, I wager, his shoulders are incredibly broad for his frame. Legs meant to eat kilometers are folded under him. The last time I saw him was in a hollow. Cassius and I watched on the Archie as he stood behind Darrow during a speech. Alexander Arcos, Lauren's grandson, my estranged cousin, and Calendora's nephew on his mother's side.
1: Sounds like a lot of inbreeding. So, um, obviously, Lysander knows who this is and still somehow chooses to kill him later. I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> but here, uh, Lysander obviously is mauled to the point of no one recognizing who he is, even his cousin. It's surprising to me, though, Lysander has these very unique light gold eyes mm. that should point him out as like more purebred, I guess, than just some random pixie from Mercury. Yeah, he's got like
0: the crystal gold...
1: Yeah, it's like shouldn't that tip?
0: I think because he only has one, it's probably a little harder to tell,
1: and maybe it's a little cooked too.
0: (laughs) Let's talk about um, how were you feeling when this happened when you read it the first time.
1: I was happy Alexander was alive. I felt really bad for him because he's missing all of his teeth and his ears, and he's kind
0: of like lisping.
1: (laughs) Well, he doesn't have teeth. (laughs) Yeah. But I love Alex, especially the fact that he's like kind and he's still like acting like he's in a good mood, even though he's being tortured to death (laughs) and missing body parts. So uh, before, quote unquote, Cato opens his eyes, he's hearing uh, Alex try to like comfort his friend who's very distraught about being tortured.
0: Yeah, Alex just seems like such a good guy and he just. Has this strong belief in Darrow? And yeah, he's
1: like the boss is gonna rescue us. Yeah, it's chill.
0: Uh, yeah, I was kind of, fe- I was definitely feeling the same way. I was like, I knew Pierce couldn't kill Alexander. <laughs> I was like, yes, he's back. He's got a major role to play. Obviously, there's a reason that he kept him around, and apparently it was so that he could just break our hearts later in the book.
1: I think the reason he kept him around is so that those of us who thought Lysander wasn't that bad, he wanted to really seal the deal on Lysander being a piece of shit.
0: That's a really great point. It it completes the Lysander heel turn.
1: Because honestly, these chapters, when he's like wandering in the desert and he like finds the farm and everything, like I'm starting to not only feel bad for him or, like, feel compassion for him. But I'm also, like, enjoying his journey and how he's, like, you know, fighting death and pushing towards the end. And I'm like, oh, he's not so bad. And then it's like, wait, he is.
0: I just really like that line where he's talking about, like, how the – desert like claimed all these people but he's like not me
1: but not me yeah I was and he, like, he's fair. he says like i'm leaving the desert but i'm taking its lessons with me yeah, yeah so he's clearly a changed man right and he's a more hardened man who then kills his cousin
0: i think when he runs into those reds that kind of kind of starts the descent because he has kind of learned some lessons and wants to be a better person at this point and he tries to help those guys out and then they're like, no, nah, man, you're going down with oh, us. Oh, you
1: mean the butts on Poles Reds?
0: Yeah, sorry. The, oh, okay. Yeah, the butts on Poles Reds, sorry. Not the family of Reds.
1: Right. Well, Andy sees Erebos drowned. Right. And he sees the destruction and all the death Darrow has caused. And his purpose kind of gets even more strengthened.
0: Yes, I agree with that, too. Um, I think that's a really good point he does like blame a lot of the stuff on Darrow. Yeah. But then like he sees this horrible thing that Atlas does and he's kind of like, that's not the Atlas I know. Why would he do that? <laughs> but he's, a, he's okay to like, he like can question Atlas. He's like,
1: like he did it because of Darrow. Right,
0: exactly. Then it all comes back to, it's all Darrow's fault. So you can still kind of see some of the contradictions and some of the um, hypocritical thoughts and nature of Lysander that kind of pissed people off, I think.
1: But then he does still show compassion for the butts on Poles Reds yep. to the point where he stupidly approaches them and then is stepping on a mine, which obviously Darrow's army knew not to uh, approach these booby-trapped That's bodies. kind of
0: his final lesson there.
1: Yeah, and he said he was blinded because of his guilt for the uh, men he left on the Vindabona yep. and the crew members. So he was trying to maybe get some repentance. Yep. And that's what he got. Attack net.
0: <laughs> and some gorgons and yeah. a concussion. All right, let's move on to revelation number two. You wanna take this one?
1: Seffie is weak. She has been poisoned.
0: Slash poisoned, yeah.
1: And she is slowly dying. And we find out um that atalantia poisoned her is what she thinks. Right. And she's slowly rotting, and it will take a couple years more before she dies. But the first notion that we really get of this, besides the fact that she's wearing a glove all the time, is when she's on the hunt. So the quote is, Seffy stands in her stirrups. The drake is at 80 meters. She draws back on the bow, and then nothing. She seems to freeze. I zoom in with my hood's optics. She draws back on the string again and again stops halfway, unable to summon enough strength to draw the arrow back to her face, much less her ear. Xenophon has gone silent. Valdir stands. Something is wrong. Mm. And of course, the Valkyrie are known for their strength and they're the only ones allowed to hunt on the Griffins. And this is not good. This is not a good look. Yeah.
0: In these chapters, there's a lot of this idea that the men are unhappy with the women in the obsidian tribes kind of sewed in, like what you said there, where it's only the women are allowed to hunt. There's a lot of that information is kind of sewed into these lines where, like, Valdir, you can tell he wants to be hunting with them.
1: And he's not allowed to be on a (laughs) griffin, but yet, like, Pax is riding along.
0: Yeah. And then, how about... And then how about Pax just taking the bullet for Seffi here?
1: Yeah, well, Pax is creepy smart, <laughs> and he he knows that like they can throw him under the bus without much damage being done. Mm-hmm. But if they knew there was something wrong with the queen, that would be bad for everybody.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the actual revelation later on in these chapters when... Cephi actually shows uh, or tells Ephraim what's going on. Xenophon is there, Ephraim is there, and Pax is there. Pax and Electra are both there, right? And it says, a shadow of herself. Cephi listens to her white. She takes off her coat, then her vest underneath, and rolls up her right sleeve and removes her glove and a thin layer of a medical wrap. The limb smells of rotting meat. Ephraim says, what is that? Cephi says, yellow death. A gift from Atalantia. Is a designer poison. It corrupts the DNA itself, I'm told.
1: Designer poison. We
0: also learned this is why she's turned so cold to...
1: Valdir, Fall Fall because yeah. it's contagious, and she knows she's dying. So um, Sefi also knows that she can't show weakness because uh, she will be overthrown, basically, and she wants to make sure she sets up her people for success, which is why she's so aggressive in taking the mines and stealing the children mm-hmm. and making all these moves. Cause she knows she only has a few years left before she dies.
0: Yeah. She's got, she's united the tribes right now. And, but she knows that they cannot stay together if they don't have her to bind them together. Um, or Volga. We'll talk about that later on.
1: So next up, Revelations. We've got Osgard. He's clearly full of <laughs> shit. He uh, kind of confesses to Ephraim his backstory and the fact that he's faking it. So he goes into his backstory with Ephraim telling him about being discarded from his family and the no man that saved him and taught him. He says, omens, prophecies, tricks. He taught me religion is a lever with a slight force at a clever angle, immense power to shift tides of humanity. Mm -hmm. So he was found, rescued, and raised by someone who basically taught him to be a tricking shaman liar person. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, he was cast out because of his... uh, Mangled hand. His mangled hand, yeah. Um, he was basically just left for dead.
1: Putting he the babies on the rocks. Yeah,
0: he survived. And with the help of basically another shamed obsidian, and then this shamed obsidian taught him that he can use religion um, to make his place in the world.
1: Do you know who else was left on the rocks? adrius
0: Wow, I didn't even think about that.
1: And... They both turned out to be liars.
0: (laughs) 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 Yes. So, Osgard goes on to say, to survive, I replaced other clever men. I used the lever. I learned to say what queens want to hear. In time, I learned to say what queens need to hear. And then Ephraim asks him, what are you then? And Osgard says, liar. That is what I truly am. A liar who lied because he did not want to die because he did not want to live in the ice without a people. Is that a sin?
1: Uh, well, first of all, the whole Obsidian tribe is based on lies that the Golds taught them. <laughs> yeah, we got so a lot of
0: lies going on There's here.
1: like lies on lies <laughs> on lies. <laughs> and Asgard kind of just uses those lies that they're taught to better himself and to become an important figure. And he does make a lot of, I guess, prophecies that turn out to be true. So he's been proven right, but as we see, he also makes a lot of prophecies that turn out to not be true. Correct.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting, like Osgard, when he was cast out or whatever, he basically says, I was on the ice and there were no gods there. I was going to die. They, were, they never came. At that point, he's like, the gods are not real. I was saved by another obsidian who taught me how to use this information, use religion to... Uh, get me where i need to be and then he used these lies and spun these lies into his current place but then he comes all the way back around and he has this vision and we'll talk about his prophecy later on in the podcast where he like actually now believes that he has a real prophecy
1: he's been on those uh berries <laughs> <laughs> For quite some time.
0: I love that's what Ephraim said to him. He's like, dude, you were just high. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, I wasn't. N- I nah, dude. <laughs> Maybe some residual highness, but yeah, it's all not real, Osgard And uh, our man, Volsung Fa, really.
1: He, he really stomps out <laughs> yeah. all the hope that <laughs> Osgard has. So he, that brings us to Revelation 4, mm-hmm. Fa, and the Askimani are real this is the first proof anyone has seen mm-hmm. that they are actually real they've all been rumors up to now big trouble this is bad and scary and also kind of badass
0: this was pretty badass i did like this uh at introduction this point a lot. the
1: first read i was like oh great we've got <laughs> another big bad guy <laughs>
0: yeah
1: but this read, I was expecting it, so I was like, "What's up, Fa?"
2: <laughs>
1: I feel like if I were a bad guy, I would be one of these creepy little red-skinned <laughs> things that roll into balls <laughs> yeah. and roll around.
0: That you, yeah, like can't even see really. That would be me. Yeah.
1: So uh, this is when we meet Fa. They've just discovered Frey healed and can't run because they're surrounded by shapes. This is Ephraim's chapter. It says, there's a soft thump behind me. I turn around and find myself staring eye to eye with two pits of darkness. They are set within the giant head of a pale nightmare, and it is crouching. When the nightmare uncoils from its crouch, my eyes are no higher than the melted face of an old tattoo obscured behind its white chest hair. The obsidian is big, bigger than Valdir, bigger than any man I have ever seen metal mingles with the pale flesh of his arms and pectorals and ribs his trachea his huge mouth is a blood-smeared maw he's a beastie
0: (laughs) once again this just uh speaks to the like the cinematic quality of pierce's writing it's that moment it's like that soft thump. think about ephraim like turning around well first he he tries
1: to shoot under his armpit and the gun is squished and his finger gets all fucked up
0: yes And then it's like this uncurling and it's like this massive...
1: Keeps rising. Yeah. (laughs) Obsidian. And Ephraim's like,
0: fuck. (laughs) This is not good. Yep. And then it goes on to say like Fa has stuck Freehild's heart in Ephraim's hand at this point. And he's now talking to Ephraim. And keep in mind, this is all in bold. I'm talking in bold right now. Okay. Uh, Gift her heart to your liar queen. Tell her. I have heard in the ink she is queen of all Volk. I have come to contest her claim. Tell her she is now prey. The ship lights silhouette the monster. The shape of a man barbed with metal eclipses me. Who are you? I call after him as he walks to his ship. Laughter corrupts the darkness around us. And the giant smiles as the darkness answers for him with a long groan made of a single distended syllable.
1: We need Fa to call back in and give us his best
0: Fa Yeah, so we can start just like
1: Just dub it in. Yeah, cut it out. Our, our voices aren't low enough. <laughs> fa.
0: I can't get to that register that we had when Volsung called in, you know.
1: Well, that's because you're not a giant obsidian man <laughs> with metal ribbing your trachea and pectorals.
0: He's a pretty scary looking motherfucker.
1: He's huge. (laughs) He's very big. And Ephraim is a little gray. Aren't grays like... It seems like
0: he's kind of undead, too. Like, you know...
1: Well, the confusing thing for them is that... Pax points this out, that the Ascomani, if they've been separated evolutionarily, evolutionarily from obsidians, they should look different. But this Fog Eye just sounds like a bigger obsidian. Yeah. But Ephraim didn't see all the other dudes. Yeah,
0: he couldn't see the other guys.
1: So clearly, Fa is still from this main group of obsidians that we all know about. Yep, because he looks like them. Yeah, just and bigger.
0: Then, and there's a reason we get like three mentions of pale horse in this in these chapters.
1: Yeah. So then Ephraim says to himself. The Eskimani are real, and so is their king. It's all I can think about as a whirlpool of carrion eaters churns over the body of Freyheald. So Ephraim's like totally shooken up, can't believe it's real, and Sephi even uh, asks Pax, like, could these be real? And Pax like, definitely. And he pulls out all these factoids. (laughs) Uh,
0: And that takes us to our last revelation, which is Snowball, our old friend Volga is Ragnar's daughter.
1: Allegedly.
0: I think that's pretty I think it's pretty true. Okay. Well, Victor like ran her DNA.
1: Oh, I thought we so when Fa says he's Sefi's dad, that's when we're like, nah.
0: I don't know. I'm questioning whether this Volsung Fa is actually a pale horse. Because, like I said, he seems like he's like Bone white right, and then he's also like got metal inside of him, and so it seems like he's oh, maybe
1: he's like Frankenstein
0: carved, yeah, that's like I feel like and his dad would be super old at this point, yeah, because Ragnar was already like forty,
1: but also people live a lot longer, I mean Octavia was sure. over a hundred,
0: but even then, like his dad would be pushing eighty, probably, I mean or no like seventy at least,
1: yeah well Sefi, Sefi's dad's different from Ragnar's dad, right?
0: No, the same guy. Oh, really? That's what she's saying in these oh, chapters. Okay. Yeah. Because I
1: knew the, the Obsidians had like lots of different fathers, but they'd have the same mom. That's
0: what I'm saying is like, like I don't, we don't know if this guy is actually Sefi's dad, actually Ragnar's dad. She says that Pale Horse is her dad and that he took Ragnar and her fishing in these chapters.
1: So if it was him, he used to be cool.
0: But also, Ragnar said he never met his dad. So I'm not sure if that's continuity error or whether that's something that we need to be questioning. Okay. I'm like 99.9% sure that Ragnar said he never met his dad.
1: What we need is Ancestry.com. <laughs>
0: well, we they kind f- of have that already. <laughs> we need. <laughs> that's we, how they
1: but we need the, the proof. We yeah. need the files. They figure out... Because this is all hearsay.
0: Right. They figure out that Volga is Ragnar's daughter, and that's Victra has her DNA tested, so we know that that is true.
1: Do you know how many times I've held back singing Lizzo? Go ahead, no, I'm good.
0: People have been asking for more singing, so No, nah,
1: you know what I'm thinking. I don't know, yeah, you do.
0: I don't know what song it is, honestly, I'm not too familiar with what L- I Lizzo. just took
1: a DNA tester <laughs> I'm a hundred percent Ragnar's daughter. <laughs> That's, That's Volga's song.
0: That's a good one for the musical. Let's write that down.
1: Okay, so Sephi says, this is the revelation of Volga. She says to Ephraim, In my time, I did what no one has done. I have united the tribes of all ice, most ice at least. But they have not forgotten their old feuds or the old creed. When I die, Valdir would lead them to more of Tirmorga's wars. Only one thing can bind them, maybe in peace blood of ragnar i am not the last to carry it volga is ragnar's daughter whoa Pssh. and volga here is like smaller than most obsidians mm-hmm. she's not this huge beastie like ragnar so her mom must have been petite
0: well she's like a designer baby made in test tube i think it was just one of like
1: one of a lot
0: that came out as the runt of the litter you know
1: yeah Oh, uh, Snowball is yep. the right.
0: <laughs> okay, so I have a question to ask. How do you feel about her being Ragnar's daughter? Is this too much, like, too much we're related to everybody, everybody's related to each other? Yes. I, I kind of think so, too.
1: It's kind of convenient that the one obsidian Ephraim but cares about happens to be, like, super tied to all of the obsidians. Right,
0: and that's why I'm a little skeptical about Volsung Fa actually being Cephi and Ragnar's dad. It's just like way too... Like, and then that would make Volga, his granddaughter, it's just like way too much...
1: Inbreeding.
0: Insular family stuff. Like, Yeah, it's,
1: it's just like Alexander and Lysander. Why is everyone related? There's lots of worlds here. We're not just well, on one world. That just
0: comes from... We're on a lot their, of planets. Their dads, they both have Arcos.
1: I'm just saying, everyone is related in these true. chapters. It's a
0: problem with Star Wars and possibly Red Rising. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty soon, we're gonna find out Ragnar's real dad was Luke Skywalker, <laughs> and he has the Force.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it. It was almost like one step too far. I'm okay with it. I will say, and like, well, obviously, we're okay with everything. I trust Pierce immensely but it is kind of just like we're in a giant solar system at this point there's billions of people and they're all related i kind of hate when everybody's related to each other yeah me too yeah
1: it's kind of like is he like is he her dad
0: the only thing that makes it forgivable i don't that's not a good way to say it but like the thing that you, you can look past yeah something that you can look past is that they make these babies and like test tube babies so like Ragnar's like a thing they do. Yes. Yeah, so they're taking Ragnar's DNA and then they're just like spreading it across and making like a bunch of different obsidians.
1: Sperm bank. Yes.
0: Yeah, so he's got all kinds of different children just because that's the way the society worked.
1: But then they were all destroyed in a right. bombing. So she really is the last one.
0: Right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. The way kids pop up in the series, like Ajax and stuff like that, you know. You never know. You never know.
1: <laughs> Anyways, that brings us to who died today?
0: Man, it's a tough one today. The first death is the lady Freyhild.
1: She was passionate and a good hunter.
0: Wow, yeah, she seemed so full of life.
1: She was full of life and love and had a lot more to give. And it was a tough death. Do you know what I'm more sad about, though? What? God Eater.
0: I know, that was a really tough one. You
1: can't you can't kill the griffins without me being pissed.
0: I totally forgot that Valdir did that.
1: Yeah, what a dick move. I don't care if you're on spirit berries or whatever. You can't kill God Eater. It's also impressive that he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe he was just so pissed that he couldn't ride those griffins.
1: He's like, if I can't ride you, <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. He also killed some other Valkyrie women and he killed some other griffins, right? I think just Or the got griffins here. got but away. He killed
0: 3 Valkyrie along the way. Yeah.
1: Damn. Dick move Valdir, you are not forgiven.
0: It wasn't a great set of chapters for my man Valdir and he's like and Xenophon's never wrong. He also says that. Oh at yeah, one it's point. like
1: hey, remember <laughs> remember the incorruptible Publius, <laughs> think think hard, everyone. It's the incorruptible Xenophon.
0: Yeah. So it's a tough set of chapters. for. He has to cut his braid off, too.
1: And he's been growing that his whole life.
0: Yeah, he had a primal scream. He gets outed as a cheating bastard.
1: Who kills griffins. Damn. He kind of sucks right now. Grief changes you. <laughs> it
0: does. That's true. All right, pouring out for... Freyhild, and,
1: and god God-eater. Eater.
0: The best name of a griffin of all time.
1: She did not eat fall deer, though. So he must not be a god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you a god? Are
1: you a god? <laughs> so, next up, that is our prime five.
0: Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters.
1: So let's jump in. First of all, we have a ton of prophecies from Osgard himself the real shaman he's super legit the
0: real fake shaman Um, yes I've got the prophecy pulled up here I would love to read it for you please do fire and ash will come and end of worlds serpent will strangle wolf lion will battle lion darkness will battle light sister murder brother son murder father father murder daughter this is what the fire told me. All I have seen has come true. As others are consumed, Cephi will rise from the ashes to bind the obsidians, to become one with red, to found a kingdom watched over by a gray fox, watched over by you. He's talking to Ephraim.
1: The gray fox. Can you break that down for us in yeah. not-prophet speak?
0: Let's start with serpent will strangle wolf.
1: Oh, so Adelantia? Yes, I would the, say
0: she's serpent.
1: Because she wears a serpent. Yes. That's good of her to do that, so we remember. <laughs> yes. Is Obviously, there any house that has a serpent as their animal?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think the closest thing would be like the Gorgons. Gorgons.
1: Oh. Gorgons, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's good too. Yeah. Equally serpentine. So
0: that says serpent will strangle wolf. I'm assuming wolf in that scenario is. Darrow. yes we've got lion will battle lion we know that one that's Abominadrius and mustang
1: so osgard is telling a prophecy about Abominadrius. He, there's no way he actually knows about Abominadrius. no so this is a real prophecy
0: yeah but i think he's like misinterpreting parts of it well sure yeah and then it says darkness will battle light so i mean that's good and evil good and evil yeah and then it says sister murder brother
1: Abominadrius. <laughs> she already did that.
0: She didn't murder him, though.
1: Executed. Yeah. Well, uh, this is something that hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah, this is a prophecy, so it happens in the future.
1: Well, what other sister-brother do we have? Because Serafina's gone. She can't murder her brother.
0: Right. I don't know. Mu- that's got to be Mustang and Adrius. And then we've got son, murder, father. Okay. What do you think that is?
1: Well, we have the Fear Knight to murder.
0: That's true. Ajax could kill him. Hmm. Um,
1: what other daddies do we have running around? Uh, Pax and Darrow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's uh, an interesting one. Are those our only daddies?
0: What about a figurative Lysander Cassius?
1: No, they're brothers. More not. brothers? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that probably makes more sense. Yeah, that's weird. I was just trying to think of combinations.
1: I think we're out of dads. And yeah, there's no Telemannus sons left. Uh, we're running out of son-dad combinations. And then
0: father murdered daughter that would be sung Fa killing Sefi? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: he He does the job quite thoroughly.
0: See, I think that's where the prophecy ends. And then he says, this is what the fire told me. So that's the end of it. And he says, all I have seen has come true. And then this is kind of him just interpreting it. Poorly, because he he doesn't have all the knowledge. Right. Sephi will rise from the ashes to bind the obsidians to become one with red. I don't know if we're supposed to take this prophecy as like a real deal anyway, just because we just read for an entire chapter about how Oscar is full of shit. That's true. So we're
1: definitely diving way too deep into this crazy man's prophecies. But there are so many truths in that.
0: There are some, yeah.
1: So, and it's kind of like a horoscope where it doesn't <laughs> matter which one you read; you can apply <laughs> them all to yourself.
0: Yeah, especially when you've got a solar system of warring families.
1: You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a Sagittarius slash Ophiuchus. If you know what that means, you're smart. <laughs> but um, I could read like the Aries and make it be myself you can put yourself in anything right. so i think maybe this prophecy is what we're doing
0: <laughs> That's true. we're
1: just applying it to everyone we know how do
0: you explain all the aquarius stuff like applying to me exactly though
1: well you're just <laughs> special clearly the universe is on your side because you're ben solo
0: <laughs> thanks for calling me that that makes me feel good okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: I retract my (laughs) former statement.
0: (laughs) Let's move on. That's enough prophecy. If you have some ideas about prophecies, we have this really cool thing. It's called the Howler Voicemail. You can call in and talk to us about your theories on the prophecy. We'll give you the number. It's 1-800-516-1540.
1: Moving on. Prime 5, part 2. Speaking of prophecies... Ephraim has a little bit of a zone. He foreshadows Freyhild's death to her. He says right before she goes to die.
0: This is like right after they killed the Drake and everybody's partying.
1: This is at the the cool bonfire party, which, you know, here in Kansas, we got a lot of cool (laughs) like field parties just out in the field.
0: Never one where we were carving up an ice dragon, though.
1: You know, uh, we were carving up some other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> some mischief. <laughs> but um, this kind of reminded me of that. Like, you're kind of chilly, so you got to get near the fire. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Ephraim says to Frey-Hild, uh, here I thought they'd pin me to a rock and splay open my ribs. And then, obviously, Freyhild was then shot by arrows and had her heart ripped out.
0: You're hung from a hook.
1: Through her mouth. Yeah, and so he
0: says that to her after she's like, celebrate my man, we did it. And, <laughs> and He's like, shit, I thought I was gonna get pinned to a rock and my ribs torn open. Then
1: Freyhild's death foreshadows Ephraim's death. Well, Fa kind of does because he says about Freyhild after he's tasted her heart worthy.
0: He says she was worthy and he's just eaten her heart.
1: And guess what happened? <laughs> spoiler alert (laughs) Ephraim's heart gets eaten and he's also worthy
0: that's enough talking about Ephraim dying I don't want to get into this anymore
1: oh are you upset I am oh I'm cool I'm in a good place today
0: (laughs) you're in a good place on Ephraim dying today just everything I'm not
1: what's next on our prime five
0: I just read a thread in on the Facebook group about Ephraim's death not having a point and Well,
1: we had to get rid of one of the point of views. It upset me. Oh, okay. I didn't read that thread. Maybe I shouldn't.
0: No, I mean, it was fine. But his death had a point, he, I would just say. His
1: life had a point. Yeah,
0: he's going to inspire Volga to...
1: Be a good person. Yeah,
0: she's going to take up... She'll never join Volsung Fa because he killed her... Best buddy. ...surrogate father.
1: Oh, uh, best buddy. What's with you and these fake fatherships? <laughs> I don't see Ephraim as a dad, and I don't see Cassius as a dad.
0: It's m- definitely like a dad, no thing. He's
1: like the the de- he's like the head of the crew. He's not a dad. He's the boss man.
0: It seems to me like he and has. she
1: wants him to be her best friend. That's how she sees him. Where's your dad vibes? Are you okay? Did you are you a father? <laughs>
0: I, I what have you been doing this week? I get a fatherly love type vibe from Ephraim for Volga. No. Nah. Like he wants to take care of her and protect her.
1: You can do that for your best friend.
0: So you can also do that for someone you see as a daughter.
1: I don't think he sees her Jesus, as a daughter. Jesus,
0: just you interpret the book the way that you <laughs> like to. I'll interpret it the way I like to. I I'm not know. gospel.
1: I don't know where these dad vibes are coming <laughs> from.
0: Uh, let's move on to the next item on the Prime 5 list. Okay, we've got a couple... Just things that were mentioned here. Sefi's bow, it's called the promise of Pale Horse. Mm. Pale Horse being her dad, her like major failure, pulling the bow back. I feel like there's some poetic shit we can talk about there, right? Oh, Mm -hmm.
1: I did not know that was what her bow was called.
0: Yes. And then also the blood eagle gets mentioned as the penalty for using a gun during the hunt.
1: Which is, of course, the spread eagle <laughs> that happens to your rib cage.
0: <laughs>
1: Can we go back to Ephraim being a dad? At most he's an <laughs> uncle <laughs> an uncle deliria, at most. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't wanna argue that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They're so just friends.
1: Back to spread eagle. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that I can't, I can't remember Blood Eagle, but I think <laughs> it's called Spread Eagle. Which, yeah, the, sp-
0: the Spread Eagle. Yeah, Which,
1: of course, is like a toe touch. <laughs> like in cheerleading. Oh. That's what I think of as a Spread Eagle.
0: I don't think that's what most people think of. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the middle splits. Okay, yeah. So Blood Eagle, Ephraim could have had that coming, but Sefi took the brunt.
0: Uh let's move on to the next item on the Prime 5 list.
1: Uh it's your boy Alexander. He's still charming even though he's been tortured and has no ears or teeth. Mm-hmm. He's still like in a uplifting mood. He's trying to keep everyone feeling okay about their horrible predicament.
0: Yeah, it's so good to have him back even in the face of this like Terrible situation that he's in
1: but he has hope
0: right I love that about Alexander he's so he's like fully bought in you know
1: full wolf
0: yeah he's gone full lupus which is what the arcosian Knights say about him which makes me wonder do you think they're like completely on board with this whole democracy with the K thing or are they just in it for the fight or um, what's going on with that line
1: well, Darrow has a the howlers, but then there's also a whole republic with their own armies and stuff that aren't howlers. Right. So I think the full lupus means that he's like bought into the religion of Darrow and not just like the idea of democracy. It's like a step beyond that. They're like fanat fanatics.
0: Right. To me it seems like maybe the Arcosians as a group are more like pissed that Lauren got killed and most of their family got murdered and oh, it's, I see. it might be more like revenge based yeah, that fighting makes sense. than just like they actually believe in the cause or whatever. Mm-hmm. It does seem like from some of the dialogue that some of them are on board because one of them like mentions that he doesn't like slavers or whatever. And so, that would point to him, like, believing in democracy or whatever, you know? Yeah. And not enslaving human beings.
1: That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's a good start.
0: But it also seems like maybe since there's still golds at this point, so they might be a little conflicted. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting.
1: And in full lupus, that could be just like a like a uh, friendly jab. Like I like
0: what you said, though. I think it is, like, it's a step beyond their their cause the rec- even the Republic's cause it's, it's it's a religion yeah it's like worshipping Darrow at this point yeah. yeah
1: like oh like only Darrow could somehow save
0: us yeah that makes sense okay. which um, is true
1: only Darrow could somehow save them but wait Lysander does
0: yep and then freaking I mean, <laughs> we should just stop doing that <laughs> <laughs> we just shouldn't read the end of this just book just stop reading Uh okay Let's move on to the final item on the Prime 5 list. It's Xenophon the Chess Master with like a full-on checkmate move here uh, what, at the end of these they? chapters.
1: Okay, I forgot.
0: Well, he like laces uh, uh, he laces Valdir's drink right. with the mushroom stuff.
1: Osgard's mushroom.
0: Xenophon gets rid of their two biggest rivals Yes. in one fell swoop.
1: So, and they got rid of the, or the wine was discovered or the poison and uh, Xenophon pinned it on that opera singer dude.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So they're just like going around, you know, wiping out everyone that could possibly cause a threat.
0: Yeah, so these are like... So
1: clearly someone's infiltrated.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's their biggest, like threats are Osgard. He's got some influence over Sefi with his like prophecies and bullshit. And then Valdir obviously has some influence because he's got most of the male Braves like on his side. This also kind of contributes to the males rising up later on when Mm -hmm. Volsung Fa comes in because now their strongest leader, Valdir, is completely out of the way. He's in jail or whatever, because he went crazy and killed a freaking griffin
1: well the griffin
0: yeah the griffin which i mean yeah put him in jail for a few days he needs to go to the drunk take a few days i mean
1: that's punishable by death that's (laughs) god eater god eater should have killed him
0: he's like a hero of the republic still though
1: but what about god eater wasn't she a hero
0: she's a hero too that's true but he was under the influence of drugs you got to give him a break A little bit. A little bit. It's like griffin slaughter, not murder.
1: I see. (laughs) (laughs) Not manslaughter. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, animal abuse. That's
0: like seven to ten years.
1: Do you know that? (laughs) 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 Anyways, uh, Xenophon is the center cog in this uh, betraying machine.
0: Yep. And we should have recognized this the first time around. I was always a little skeptical of Xenophon, but I didn't know they had the connections that they did. That freaking connection to the Fear Knight is ridiculous. That's very troublesome. Because it makes it seem like Cephy's like really probably not been making her own decisions like a lot of this time and kind of been manipulated. Well, yeah, she by has it.
1: Do you think she Fear would Knight. have left Mustang without Xenophon pushing her to do so?
0: I don't know. It's hard to say. This makes me just like very scared of Atlas. You know, like he is really pulling a lot of strings here.
1: He's the puppeteer.
0: And I feel like, like we had talked about in earlier pods, there's a lot to learn about Atlas still. And I think he's going to have a tremendous role in, in book six. Okay.
1: That's our prime five. Xenophon. Oh, wait. First off, we can't forget to say... Valdir keeps insisting that Xenophon never lies and that they, well, like if Xenophon said it, then it's true. So this is another Publius (laughs) situation.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: So if (laughs) anyone ever tells you that you're (laughs) flawless, get ready. You're the bad guy.
0: Also, we didn't mention that we were just learning um, some stuff about Freyhild and we're getting a lot of lines from her and like a lot of good times. And then she immediately died.
1: So, yeah, there's another. <laughs> if, if someone starts getting attention and it's good, they're having a fun time. If
0: you're starting to like somebody, we need to come up with, like, rules for reading Pierce Brown book six. Someone starts. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: first rule is never get attached. Everyone
0: dies. Rule number one. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the primus of the week.
1: Primus of the week is our one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the week is...
0: It's Ephraim, guys. It's Ephraim again. Sad boy? (laughs) The original sad boy.
1: Ephraim, because... Let's hear why. He saved Cephi by an epic shot where he could have died if he had shot Freyhild.
0: Yeah, he had Valdir looking over his shoulder and he was trying to shoot... A so dragon. He's got some balls. From across a canyon and not hit a big, scary obsidian's girlfriend.
1: He's, He's got, <laughs> I mean, we hear about how Holiday is an amazing shot. I bet Ephraim's got her on that one. I think so. Because clearly she can't hit Aja. <laughs> I bet Ephraim would have hit Aja.
0: <laughs> he also got a shiny new spaceship. That's pretty much like, that's a win immediately for me.
1: Yeah, he's now on <laughs> Solo for you because he has his own spaceship. He got a
0: freaking spaceship.
1: And it's a fancy one from Quick.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great deal.
1: And uh, also, he didn't get killed by Fa.
0: Probably that's, that's the number one thing. And right he there. also
1: didn't get hurt at all. Like, he didn't get his eye poked out. Yeah,
0: he came face-to-face face with Volsung Fa. Probably just he was
1: a little bitch about it, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. We all would be.
0: Yeah uh and survived still has his heart for now for
1: now (laughs) (laughs) he always has my heart (laughs) okay next segment voicemail
0: it's the howler voicemail if you would like to leave a voicemail you can call us at 1-800-516-1540 please make sure to leave your name so that we can shout you out yeah and then uh we'll play your voicemail on the podcast sure will that's 1-800-516-1540
1: the howler voicemail is the place to call
0: (laughs) we needed a song it's about time
1: and guess who is in there all
0: right our first voicemail is from patrick in north carolina
2: Hey HowlerPod, this is Patrick. Uh, I think I sent a message, a similar message last week, but it was right after you guys recorded. Um, but I just wanted to send a nice appreciation message to you guys. I recently moved here to North Carolina and I've been struggling to kind of find my place and, you know, trying to find my own howlers out here. But it can be lonely when you move somewhere else. But I've been listening to you guys almost every single day, catching up on the rereads. And I honestly, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you so much for making this Howler community out there, all from Pierce Brown's amazing writing. Seriously, pat your, pat your back because you guys are the absolute best. You're really supportive and amazing. Um, quick questions for you guys since we're getting some pretty heavy Ephraim chapters out of these. Um, Pierce Brown recently said that he actually had over 800 pages of exploration of the obsidian race through Ephraim's POV. But he had to cut them because, obviously, 800 more pages to Dark Age would just be ridiculous. Do you guys wish that he included anything else? Do you think that there was anything else you would love to see out of the Obsidian culture from Ephraim's point of view? Because his point of view is obviously one of the best in this book. Um, And another question for you. In Golden Sun, I think they said that Spichner beat Apollonius in a duel to become the Rage Knight. But didn't Dark Age say that it was only Valdir and... Darrow beat Apollonius in a duel, Uh, just a little clarification, what do you guys think about that? And last question for you guys, what do you think replaced the Institute once the society was taken down? Because Pierce Brown has said many times in this book, and even shown us, that Atalantia has a whole army of peerless scarred that literally were just raised to try to come up and rise up against Darrow. But do you think that, this is, that Darrow doesn't have any of those kind of goals because they got rid of the Institute? Did they replace it with something else? What do you guys think? Thank you guys so much for being awesome, uh, for putting all this stuff out there. You're the best. Howler out.
1: Oh! Thanks, Patrick.
0: Yes, thank you, Patrick.
1: We love you, too. And we are patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> 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 I am.
0: You're much too kind. Uh, we are hoping you're finding some howlers out there in North Carolina. If there are any North Carolina howlers out there that want to talk to Patrick, you know, like let us know. We'll hook you guys up. Let's, let's start with the first question. So we have Pierce saying that he had like 800 more pages of Ephraim and the obsidians. Is there anything more that you want to know about Ephraim and the obsidians having a good time together?
1: Well, yeah, I'll take (laughs) more. I think the book made sense without it, but I think that the more the merrier. Now we
0: know why Dark Age took so long.
1: Well, and he said that uh, to us when we interviewed him that his editors kept making him cut it down. Mm-hmm. And it's still a monster of a book in more ways than one. <laughs> but I I mean, I'm always for more, 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 in my opinion, because obviously we're rereading these books over and over. <laughs> So I would love to read those pages. Yeah.
0: Um, Yes. I mean, as far as specific things that I would want to see, I'm not really sure. But um, one of the best parts about this book series is the world building. And I feel like there could be like a full-on like Red Rising encyclopedia that you could make. Uh, Just like backstory of the world and all the stuff like that. There's so much to um, dig into. And that was always... My favorite part of uh, things like Star Wars when I was a young kid was digging into all the little things all over the universe, you know, just like uh, anything I can get my hands on with extra information. Uh, and there's so much of that. This, like Red Rising is just ripe for that. And I would I would take the thing I would want to hear the most about, I think, is like the dark revolt, obviously. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, obsidian-wise, there's right. a lot of other things I also want to hear a lot about. Right. So yes, is my answer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was that a yes or no question?
0: Not really, but we'll take it.
1: What was Patrick's answer? He didn't say. What What you doing, Patrick?
0: You'll have to call back, Patrick. Um, okay. The next question was, he had a question about. I think Ephraim states that Valdir and Darrow are the only people to survive a duel. With Apollonius, but um, it was also mentioned at one point that Fitchner dueled Apollonius for the position of Rage Knight. I would say this is probably just because Fitchner's not alive anymore. He didn't mention him as part of a person that survived the duel with Apollonius, you know, because he's dead. Yeah. So he's just like Valdir and Darrow are basically the only living beings living in, in this solar system that have survived a duel. With Apollonius because Fitchner has his head in a box. He has my head in a box. (laughs) And then the last question was um, Do you think that, what do you think happened to the Institute for like, do you think Darrow's gold still go to the Institute? No. I would say there's not an Institute for the Republic any longer.
1: But they are still training their young, obviously. And uh, they talk about pairing teams up with every color in them Mm -hmm. so that these kids learn how to work in a team regardless of yeah
0: it's kind of more of a teamwork to make the dream work type situation
1: right so one of pax's best buddies is an obsidian
0: yes and i would also say it's also (laughs) to go back to kind of like a, a lauren quote it's a situation where how does a lamb beat a lion? You know, it's just like like drown it in blood. Golds are not going to the Institute anymore. The way that the Republic is going to beat the society is just purely like by sheer... Like throwing bodies at yes, it? Yes, sheer numbers and will.
1: Well, they are, though. Uh, Atalantia talks about the, you know, kids they grow in the lab now becoming of age. So they are like training...
0: They're going to the Institute. Yeah. Society golds are going to the Institute. He's talking about like golds that are part of the Republic. Are they still going to the Institute? No. I would say no. Nah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't think Darrow's for, you know, killing children to prove that.
0: I think that's what it all, you know, this is where where this all started. Yeah. Because of how unfair that was. But yeah, I mean, I would say that they're definitely not on the same martial level as, you know, the golds of the society and that's one of the biggest issues and that's why Darrow pushes so hard to, like, finish the war as fast as possible. Yeah. Because he knows if, like, the golds can um, pump their numbers up and get... um,
1: The science babies.
0: Yeah, like, pure scarred golds. They're fucked.
1: And, um, the Gorgons, when they pick Lysander up, mention, like, Oh, he doesn't have a scar, then it's not one of ours. We, we don't s- send uh, scarless pixies to war. It's right. so basically the society, they have to raise more s- scarred babies <laughs> <laughs> in order, because apparently they're not throwing scarless babies to war.
0: Okay, so let's move on to our next voicemail. This is an anonymous one, but it's a good one, and it applies to today's pod.
2: Hello Howlers, I'm on Dark Age Chapter 31, Day of Red Doves, and I just am not ready for that tonight. So instead I'm calling you, thinking of happier times, remembering how clever Mustang really is. Like the time when she's on the ice with Ragnar, asked if he would like a DNA test ran in the registry records to trace his father. I think Mustang totally snagged or Darrow kept a sample of the blood and analyzed it and they've known the identity the last 10 years. I really just like the idea of Mustang giving that answer to Darrow as a gift. Um, in honor of his friend, one of Ragnar's last wishes fulfilled. That's all. Back to the dread of Dark Age, and Ben's the greatest.
0: I like her already.
1: Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) got a big shake of the head from yours truly. Thank you for that voicemail. She's not talking about you. She's talking about Ben Solo, obviously.
0: Uh, What do you think about that? Do you think uh, Mustang has some Ragnar DNA saved? I'm going to say no, probably not.
1: Well, it could be a thing where, like, lots of people know, but we just don't know. Like, you know, Darrow and Sevro and Mustang also, all know, but, like, we don't know as readers. I don't
0: think anybody wants to know who his dad is at this point, since his dad is quite possibly a big scary monster man that's going to try and murder everyone well
1: now but but i mean darrow and mustang don't know about fa yet okay so we're both saying well you're saying no i'm saying if if they did um i mean they they could know and we just don't know about it and we might find out that they knew what kind of effect would that
0: have on darrow if he knew who ragnar's dad was little to any i don't know would he really care what do you be like, okay? I just
1: want to know if tongueless is involved at all. <laughs> Either uncle, cousin. What if
0: Mustang comes out and she's got the DNA test and she's like, it was tongueless all along?
1: Yeah, then I'd be like, Cool, glad he didn't write that down before he got cut into four pieces. No, what if tongueless was Fa's shaman because he had the tattoos and He, like, betrayed him somehow, and that's why he was in Deep Grave.
0: Now we're talking.
1: Hey. (laughs) Pierce, call me up. I got ideas. I got
0: theories. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, thank you, Anonymous.
0: Yes, thank you. I hope that
1: if you did read Day of Red Doves that you are feeling better now.
0: Yeah, hopefully you've moved on and you've had some fun with these Ephraim chapters, getting some good laughs in. He's great. And, um, yeah, keep up the great work and keep calling. You can call in anytime and tell me I'm the greatest. Oh, uh, I
1: already forgot about that. (laughs) No, she wasn't talking about you. She's talking about (laughs) Ben Solo.
0: Let's move on to the Howler mailbag. I've got an email from Gina Marie bennett she says i have a theory about the packable birds sophocles does not like them we learn in ig then at quick's birthday party sophocles reacts badly to one of his floating robots so by association the birds are mechanical and who do we know that makes robots and loves to replace people with them why quicksilver himself at the very least i think sun industries made the robot birds in dark age quick seems to not be too pleased with the republic he's all about the bottom line I think he would make robots for whoever can pay for them. How terrified would Nero be? (laughs) Pretty terrified he hates robots. And she says, also, please do not associate Daryl with Bruce Springsteen. I can't stand him. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl's song is obviously White Stripes, Seven Nation Army.
1: Oh, yeah, White Stripes!
0: It's a great song that makes me think about moving forward, and then it gets all ragey at the instrumental break. Also, it mentions... Aaron and I's hometown, so Wichita. Yeah.
1: Uh because it's the coolest place. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's
0: okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: she says keep on howling. Ah, uh, what do you think about that? Quicksilver? Did he ha- are they robot birds?
1: Thank you, Gina. Great questions and theories. Um, you know, I have a hard time thinking of Quicksilver as nefarious even though obviously he's not like super helping Mustang or is he? We don't know because he's so secret. Maybe he's doing stuff behind the scenes mm-hmm. but I I don't know. I don't like to think that way about him. What about you Ben?
0: I think it's an interesting theory um, but I don't think Quicksilver would help out Abominadrius because ultimately that's what happens with those Paco Bell birds right?
1: And ultimately Abominadrius is hated by literally every group except for Lilith.
0: He is up to shit, though, and I know a lot of people are very, very suspicious of Quicksilver, but I don't think he does this whole thing where he starts the Sons of Ares and then upends the entire society, but then 10 years later he helps the society come back. Nah. That just doesn't make sense to me.
1: I think he's up to something, but I don't think it's, evil
0: yeah i would say it's for his own gain whatever it is
1: well that's what gino was saying gina marie was saying because she's saying that he
0: i guess yeah that's true he could be doing this with the packable birds but to make money not just be helping the society
1: i i think that he obviously wants all the money but i don't think he would uh help the society or Abominadrius.
0: yeah i would agree so yeah, we're and like
1: Quicksilver's obviously been to Mustang's house to Selene Manor and everything, so like he he's been spied on too. Yeah, wouldn't his little orb know that those were fake? The Packowells. Yeah, his little buddy sh- shoulder buddy. Well, we
0: never see him out at Selineus Manor. That's true. I'm though. just saying. Yeah, so that's a good question. I it it is really just lining up in, in book six to be like all these different factions against each other, like. Quicksilver seems to have his own faction. We've got the Society Remnant. We've got Abominadrius. We've got the Republic Leftovers. So um, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out.
1: Faux show.
0: Sure. All right. We've got one more Howler mailbag. This one is from Jessica. She said, hey, Howlers 2 and 3.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, congrats on 50 episodes. That is so awesome. Love listening to you guys. Make me laugh. I really enjoy listening to your theories and analysis of the books. Aaron. You need to sing more. And then she says, I think Daryl's theme song is Whatever It Takes by Imagine Dragons. Was anyone else surprised that Apple didn't cause more mischief when he was dancing around Mercury under his ghost cloak? Keep up the great work. Jess.
1: Thanks, Jessica.
0: Uh, I don't really know that song. but I do
1: whatever it takes. Oh, you've heard it. It's on the yeah. radio. Oh, okay. That's I mean, the, the title...
0: The title is very on-brand for Darrow. Do whatever it takes. takes. Yes. The only thing more on-brand would be Change the Paradigm by Imagine Dragons. Do you know that one? It's not a real song.
1: I change the paradigm (laughs) in my veins. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like doing the wave. (laughs) What do
0: you think about Apple not causing more mischief while dancing around Mercury naked under a ghost cloak?
1: I think he's definitely wanking off in all of... The bushes that he can find, there aren't very many
0: in the the desert Desert. behind a cacti.
1: So, does he have like a camelback (laughs) under his ghost cloak? Because how is he just like running around?
0: He's got a ship somewhere, obviously. I think I feel like he's floating around in a ship. Oh, (laughs) and then he's like coming down
1: to like fuck with people. Yeah, he's probably he's probably like at least stealing food and water from people in his ghost cloak. (laughs)
0: <laughs> He's stealing grab boots, apparently.
1: He's stealing the Marauders map <laughs> and following the footsteps, <laughs> obviously.
0: Lysander needed a Marauders map <laughs> to be able <laughs> to see... That word is hard to say out
1: loud, Marauders. <laughs> Marauders map. It's funny when you read something and <laughs> <laughs> it comes out weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> English is hard. All right, let's move on.
1: Thanks, Jessica.
0: Thank you, Jessica, for the email. Thank you, Gina Marie. Thank you to Patrick and... Anonymous. Anonymous.
1: Hey, she was wearing a voicemail ghost cloak. (laughs) Oh,
0: nice. That's what we'll call that from now on. (laughs) Ghosting. All right. You know what's next?
1: What are we into this week?
0: You go first. Quick.
1: I'm into Knives Out. It's a movie that just came out. Mm -hmm. It's very good. It's like modern day Clue, but there's a twist because it's not like Clue. But is it? I don't know. <laughs> it was really well done and a great story. Check it out. Knives Out. How about you, Ben?
0: I was into JoJo Rabbit. It's the the like Nazi wa- Wes Anderson movie. It's like
1: Tycho Waititi.
0: Tycho Waititi made a Wes Anderson movie about Nazis. Yes.
1: Yeah, so what he means <laughs> is it's a comedy and it's like I call them hipster movies,
0: yeah. you know, <laughs> yes.
1: like Moonrise Kingdom.
0: Yeah, that first, like, 20 minutes when he's at Nazi camp or whatever. Oh, yeah. I was like, Totally Jesus Moonrise Christ.
1: Kingdom for Nazis. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, Nazis it's a parody, anything. obviously. This kid's best friend, he imagines, is Hitler.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty... It's a satire, obviously, and um, it's pretty funny. The kid... Is really good. He's so cute. Scarlett Johansson is really good. I thought she gave she's the pre- so hot. best performance in the movie.
1: Yeah, she's she was great.
0: And there's a, a lesson about not hating people and that kind of thing in there.
1: Oh, a Nazi learned a <laughs> lesson. <laughs> so I uh, know. I watched it on a plane and I felt kind of weird because there's a, <laughs> a lot of like images of Nazi yeah. s- like swastikas. But
0: it doesn't feel great. Uh, I, I like so I went like into hi- it.
1: I was like hiding my... Well, there was like Nazi propaganda and stuff heil hitler and stuff mm-hmm. and so i was trying to hide my ipad because like i don't know who's sitting next <laughs> to me <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: and i'm like it's a comedy i promise <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's kind of like tricks. that game that we played yeah uh secret hitler yeah. where it's like this is funny but also horrible <laughs>
0: yes yeah, doesn't feel right uh, <laughs> that's a card game um yeah so it's a it's a good movie uh i believe taika just won an oscar for best adapted screenplay for this movie oh really yeah Uh, Oh, rebel
1: wilson's in it for a little bit she's funny
0: she's got a great cast like an all-star cast yeah um it's worth checking out for sure i could i went into it like thinking i'm not really into this movie but then i I watched it and it it won me over oh i liked it a lot uh so if you're into that kind of thing like satire and that kind of stuff If you Uh, liked Moonrise
1: Kingdom, it's like literally the same movie, (laughs) but with Nazis.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure that's a great endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. What's coming up on HowlerPod?
1: We are moving on in Dark Age, chapters 47 to 52. Don't forget to follow us. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Uh, We got some merch. Email us for Howler Mailbag. At howlerpod at com, just like Jessica and Gina Marie Bennett did today. Um, leave us a voicemail at 1 800 516 1540.
0: One note on the voicemail if you've called in and left a voicemail, we are getting them. We are getting a lot of them. So I'm just, we're saving them. Uh, we'll play them as they come in. But keep calling. But p- keep calling because we need more. And, and we it-
1: also need, you know, to know. Your theme song ideas for Daryl. And we'll also <laughs> save them.
0: So if you don't hear yourself on the podcast at some point, I will save those. We'll probably do an episode down the line that's just all voicemail.
1: Yeah. And you can find the number and links to everything I just mentioned at Hallerpod.com Tell a friend about the books and spread the word about the podcast and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will... Put a big hook through your oh, mouth wow. and hang you up and take your heart out.
0: That's graphic. We did just hit, I think, 30 written reviews on Apple and like 125 star reviews. So you guys are doing amazing. With but those.
1: it's legit five stars only. Yes. So my threats <laughs> are real. Are real. <laughs> yeah, so
0: if we like, you got to keep that perfect record going.
1: Because <laughs> I killed the people who gave us one. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks, Howlers.
0: Omnis Verlupus.
1: Ow! Oh. Ooh.